your servant And I am listening Speak to me, Lord, speak to me Speak to me Welcome to a life-changing encounter with the Word of God presented to you by the Macarius Church Headquarters. This great teaching provides clear and straightforward answers for anyone desiring to walk according to the Word of God. Enjoy some of the most comprehensive and down-to-earth teachings as taught at the Macarius Church Headquarters. I am listening, I am waiting, speak to me. Shall we pray? Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for the privilege of coming into your presence and receiving your word. Holy Spirit, thank you for the entrance of a word that gives light and gives understanding to the simple. Thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. And tonight, just want to share with us briefly from our Father's book, Can't You Do Just a Little Bit More? Please turn to your neighbor and oh, it's a good place to clap. It's a nice title. So ask your neighbor, can't you do just a little bit more? So this statement comes from a man of God known as J.G. Morrison. J.G. Morrison was a minister of the church of the Nazarenes. He was pleading with fellow Nazarenes in the 1930s to support missionaries. And he was asking everyone if they could not do just a little bit more to help those who had been sent out on a mission. And I would like to say that one revelation here in our Prophets preaching on this in the camp, the reward for work, the reward for hard work is more work, is that God rarely tells us to do or to take a huge step. He asks us often to take, if you like, the next step. So for instance, he says the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Which is where they were. They didn't have to go anywhere to start evangelism. Then Judea, because Jerusalem is within Judea. And then Samaria. Now Samaria is when Israel, you know, we the first king of Israel was Saul. Saul was succeeded by David. Now these are the only two kings of Israel who ruled over a Unified or united Israel You may know the story That David was succeeded By his son Solomon So actually Solomon Also ruled over unified Israel So Saul, David and Solomon Then Solomon handed over to Rehoboam When I think of Rehoboam Sometimes I think of What Solomon said in the book of Ecclesiastes That you see you have all these things And you don't know who will come and Take over and Who knows whether it's a fool or a, a person who will come and take over, a good person who will come and take over what you have. But when Rehoboam came, that's when the people came to him with a petition. They said, look, your father Solomon chastised us. I mean, he made, he, he made us work hard. Solomon was a builder. 
build a temple. I'm sure you know Solomon's temple and all that. And so we are pleading with you that you make things a little, if you like, lighter for us, which was not a bad petition. And in fact, when he went to consult his father's advices, they told him, now look, if you speak peaceably unto the people gently and consider their requests, you see that they will be happy with you and they will work for you. After he took that advice, then he went to see his mates. <laughs> the guys had been moving around with. They told him that, hey, Charlie, don't lose God with these people at all. And he came back and spoke the infamous words that my little finger is thicker than my father's loins. Hey! <laughs> and then he said, if my father chastised you with whips, I will chastise you with scorpions. I don't know whether you've seen the Passion of the Christ, but in the Passion of the Christ, there are various grades of whips. I don't know whether you've seen, when you look on the table, when they were whipping Jesus, scourging of the pillar, they have ordinary whips like school whips. Those are the minimum, those are the junior ones. In fact, Jesus' case, they even had a particular whip. It was a leather, no, it was a whip, but they had attached nine leather strips at the end and each one at the end had a little bone so if they threw it like that and you had nine bones sticking in you then they would pull it and that come away with their flesh so he said if my father whip you with ordinary whips I will whip you with scorpions which are senior whips they revolted they rebelled and then they went under the leadership of Jeroboam now that's where this, they made a statement that we will live in Judah to you so that's how he came to have Judah and Benjamin two tribes left for King David and his descendants so all those people, Rehoboam was left to the two to reign them. This was actually known as the Southern Kingdom. And then the ten tribes, Asher, Dan, Ephraim, Gad, Issachar, Manasseh, Naphtali, Reuben, Simeon, and Zebulun, who were other sons or grandsons of Jacob, they all went to the Northern Kingdom, Samaria. And you find in the history of the Israelites that Samaria, you see, Jeroboam was the first king of the northern kingdom. And he, in order to entrench his position, he said that if these people go to Jerusalem to worship, because you see, now they had split from them. If they go to Jerusalem to worship, gradually they will go back to Judah. So he made two gods. One at Dan, one at Beersheba, and said, These are your gods. Worship them here. And he began, he was the father of leading Israel into a very bad idol worship. And you see, his followers, the people who came after Jeroboam, included people like Ahab. Do you see that who, who, who sometimes took the thing further? And then Judah had 
the fairly, if you like, even if you hear people like Jehoshaphat, Hezekiah, is it there because they had a good start? More good guys were there, but as for the Israel, there it was it was bad until God actually brought a man called Jehu, like a revolution, and Jehu in one day killed both the king of Israel and the king of Judah in one day. Because one of them was ill and the other had gone to visit him. So he managed to get two kings in one place and killed both of them. And God said that, I like what you did, Jehu. Because you see, Jehu is one of those people who was anointed to succeed Elijah. If, 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 you, if you recall, Elijah staged a great contest against the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel and won. And the next day, Jezebel, who had hired those from, who were, they were her people, sent a message to him that the gods do so to me by this time tomorrow, if I do not make your life like one of those prophets. So Elijah ran away. And when God met him somewhere, God told him that, you know what, I'm going to send you back. You're going to anoint three people Hazar, king of Syria, Elisha, prophet in your room, and Jehu. And he made a famous statement that whoever escapes the sword of Jehu, I think this is First Kings 19. You can find it. Shall Elisha stay whoever says so? Because the, the wickedness was so much in Ahab's day that the anointing of Elisha could not, Elijah could not overcome. He needed a double anointing in the, in the person of Elisha. To come and fight that anointing. And Ahab came and killed and even went ahead to kill Baal worshippers so much that God became pleased with him. And told him that I'll give you four generations to rule after you. So Jehu had these people ruling after him. One was called Jehoah, Jehoahaz. And then another one called Jehoash. And then Jeroboam the second. And then the last one was Zechariah. In Jehu's dynasty. I find that interesting. Why? Why? Because when God was very pleased with David. He was so pleased with David for wanting to build a house. I said, I'll extend your dynasty forever. With Jehu, he was like, I'm happy with you. But I'll give you only four generations. So it was this Jehoash, king of Israel. With whom we begin this story in chapter 1 of can't you do just a little bit more his other name is joash he is called jehoash but he's also called joash so let me read this passage from second kings chapter 13 verses 14 to 20 joash can and the point i was making even before i launched into this was that god doesn't make you take huge huge steps he said jerusalem judea Samaria. Why? Because Samaria was mixed. The Assyrians conquered them and brought some people in, so they were mixed. So that's why Jesus one day they were told that you have a devil or you have you are a Samaritan. The Samaritans were despised. And then uttermost parts of the earth. He doesn't say go from Jerusalem straight to the uttermost parts of the earth. So it's just a little bit, a little bit more. So let's read the story about Joash king of Israel 
And it says in 2 Kings chapter 13, verse 14, it says, Now Elisha was fallen sick of a sickness, whereof he died. And Joash the king of Israel came down unto him and wept over his face and said, Oh my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And Elisha said unto him, Take bow and arrows. And he took unto him bow and arrows. And he told, and he said to the king of Israel, Put thine hand upon the bow. And he put his hand upon it. And Elisha put his hands upon the king's hands. This is a prophet operating through prophetic tokens. And he said, Open the window eastward. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, Shoot. And he shot. And he said, The arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria. For thou shalt smite the Syrians in Afek till thou have consumed them. And he said, Take the arrows. And he took them. And he said unto the king of Israel, Smite upon the ground. Then he smote thrice and stayed. And the man of God was wroth with him or annoyed with him and said, Thou shouldest have smitten five or six times till thou hast consumed it. Whereas now thou shalt smite Syria but thrice. And Elisha died and they buried him. And the bands of the Moabites invaded the land at the coming in of the year. Hallelujah. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. <laughs> For his unspeakable word. Now, it occurred to me that, you know, so, so Joash held back. Restrained himself from doing something extra. You know, Jesus said one day to the people he was teaching that if the soldiers force you to go one mile, go with them twin or two. There's, I believe, a principle there which I believe that God wants us through our father, our prophet, to, to, to come out of. Personally, I feel that there are two major areas that you can think about doing a little bit more. One is in what you yourself can do. And you see one of the examples is also in what others have done. You can take it further. And what you can do I find the explanation or a picture of it in our father's teaching on what is known as utter barrenness. And I want to read it to you. Proverbs chapter 30 verse 16. Can't you do just a little bit more? It says the grave and the barren womb and the earth that is not filled with water and the fire that saith it is enough. Now the barren, that word is a Hebrew word, otza. And this word means to enclose, to hold back, and to maintain. 
May God deliver us from the just maintaining. No, you see, with God, look at what the servant was given one talent. Did with this one talent. Do you know that that one talent of silver was worth about six thousand dollars? Yes. It's not just when we hear a talent, you think that oh, is a no, 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 no. In today's estimation, it's six thousand dollars. So what he received was not just a little, but he had the mentality of maintaining. It's like what has been given to me. Eh? I just went buried coolly. And when they asked me for that, produce it. And God seems to be against such a thing because you see, He also, He also has put in us the ability to reproduce. In fact, it is said that women, anything you give them, they can multiply it. Make it big. Magnify it. I'm sure we've all had mothers who had very little um, ingredients before I realized that made something powerful out of for many people. I said they were multiplying the food like Jesus. But I say, give a woman just one seed, a sperm, to give you a whole human being, a baby. And sometimes twins. <laughs> Nine. Natural or hey. anyway, that one is due to the yam, isn't it? Is the yam there's estrogen in the yam, so it makes actually twinning in world twinning records are in Nigeria because of estrogens, female hormones, they are in the yam, yeah, pounded yam, yeah. <laughs> what a shock! Oh, yes, so so. So what I'm saying is that the principle or the mentality that media is what I'm giving. You see, because what you don't know is that many things that you think you are maintaining, they're on their way down. No, no, no. In life and nature, anything that you are not forcing to move up and it just plateaued, it's on its way down. The next step is down. You see. So, may God infuse in us that divine or heavenly principle. Do you know that this, do you know that the universe as we have it is still expanding? Oh, yes. Yes. It's only seen. Look, more stars are being, uh, God, he is not stopped anywhere to maintain anything. No. And if we are made in the image of God and we are even born again so that we say we are a new creation. Then we must also have more. So you see, you have a church, you have branches, you have everything you should be going. You have basenta leaders, you've had basenta leaders, six of them from two years ago. You still have six, or even now there are four. <laughs> no, the word is can't ask your neighbor, can't you do just a little bit more? Is I just going to maintain? <laughs> yeah. You are quiet. It says to close up, to close up. It's like I can give, but I've closed up. To restrain. You know, like when they ask us in church, clap. You know, to some people, I don't know whether they, 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 are some. <laughs> they are selling it or they, bought, they have to buy it so they don't clap. They, they, they restrain and they retain. 
And it says, people suffering from this kind of barrenness hold back intentionally. <laughs> yes, it, it, I don't. I, I, you can call it a spirit, an attitude, a mentality, whatever you want to call it. It's it's not divine. It's not from God. They know a lot, but they hold back and refuse to be fruitful. What? So one day I met some people who had been Christians for some time in the church. They have been Christians for so many years. Seven now. They, they, they were not serving the Lord. <laughs> they were Christians. They were not serving the Lord. They were coming to church on a Sunday. Please, please. I, I thank God that you are here. Please clap for yourself. I said person who comes for a weekday service. It means that you are taking things further. But if you are at home, you are watching me on Facebook, on YouTube, please. And for you, Christianity is coming to church on a Sunday and going back and coming again. No, 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 no. no. You got it wrong, baby, somewhere. You got it wrong. <laughs> uh, so I told, this, I told these people I met, I said, you guys have been Christians for some time. You know the word of God. You see, because one day I went to visit one of my virtually a new converts. And when I took her Bible to show her something, I said, open to this. And I realized that, you know, so she tried, then she just handed over the Bible to me. She just gave it to me. It's like, you show me where it is. As I realized, I look. People don't know. Look, they don't know. Okay, I'm not saying that you know a lot. But at least you know a little bit more than somebody else. That you can teach them. So I'm telling people that look, you guys have been Christians for some time. Even if you gather, you gather new converts to teach them. You're, you're doing something. To visit them or whatever. I mean, you know a lot. So it says, they know a lot, but they hold back and refuse to be fruitful. And it says, pastors with utter barrenness have the finances and the anointing to plant churches. However, they give their strength to other things like orphanages, schools, and social work. Some of them are more concerned with being politically influential and socially acceptable. Such people can do many things for the Lord, but are restrained and hold back their talents. Today is the last day you are restraining and holding back your talents. He says, he says, is he, is this what he says? These are usually experienced people in the Lord who could do much more for Jesus. I'm telling you, if you are listening to me or you know somebody who falls into this category, he has been a Christian for so many years. And he's not doing much with the knowledge that he has. Hey, you could even attack. Because you see, many Bacenta leaders don't know, don't know a lot. If you, as an experienced Christian, you attach yourself to the Bacenta, you, you, let's say that you won't even go there all the time, but you kind of adopted the Bacenta to help them. You are more financial, you are financially mightier than the people in the bar center. You know the word of God more than people. Don't you think that with such a, I mean, when we're in scripture, you know, in secondary school, we have what they call patrons. 
SU patron who was a teacher who was interested in us. I mean, you can adopt a group like that as somebody who knows a bit more. I'm sorry you are the ones who are here because many of you are young. But somebody will hear. Hallelujah. And it says that often they have decided to give their strength and talents to other things. In your congregation, you will notice people who are leaders of old boys associations or even political groups. Mm. They have time for politics, soccer, MBAs, PhDs, and other activities. However, when it comes to the work of God, they are enclosed and restrained. They are reserved when it comes to prayer and worship. You will never find them dancing. No. In front here. Kai. They are like starched. Starched Christians. <laughs> but vocal when it comes to discussing politics and football, for instance. <laughs> if you ask him to talk about Acts of the Apostles, he can't say much. But if you ask him to talk about Arsenal, <laughs> oh, may God deliver us from utter barrenness. May God help us not to have a mentality of just maintaining, but rather multiplying, increasing. You see, because the other two servants he gave two talents and five talents, they gave, see, the Bible says, they gained by trading. So may you trade whatever gifts you have. I mean, our prophet has said that not many people have a lot of talents. So many people have only one talent. Many people have only one talent. <laughs> only one talent. Yet, you can find someone who has one, but what he has done with the one? Oh, may God help us. Amen. So this is, I believe, what you can do. But let me read very interesting here, back to King Joash. It says, Elisha was angry with King Joash because he could have smitten the ground five or six times, but he, he only smote the ground three times. May God help you to go further. Now it says, if only he had smitten the ground a little bit more, he would have had a much greater victory. King Joash is the quintessential example of someone who could have done just a little bit more. I mean, three times and five. What's the big difference? Just two more. But would have made a big difference. Just a little bit more, it would have made much a difference. Today, there are many little things that we can do that will make a huge difference in the overall effort of building the kingdom of God. What I've said, for instance, that somebody can just decide to adopt a basenta and a basenta leader. You are experiencing the things of God. It will make a big difference to that basenta. Because the basenta, they are small, small boys sometimes. When you are grown up, you go. And the mother of this boy sees that, hey, this grown up man who works for customs has come all the way to come and visit in his shiny car. Immediately she said, hey, because the basenta the leader who has been going, he may also be lean and smallish. That's not eating much. 
meat. <laughs> like you have done. So when they see you, say, hey, Charlie. Yeah, so all she knows is that these young, young guys come and take her people to church, her son to church. But when they see you, hey, they will have respect. So it says that, I'm sure that the apostle John must have read the accounts of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. He could have said to himself, there's no need to write about the life of Jesus. However, he decided to take up the task and do a little bit more in terms of writing about the ministry of Jesus. Do you see that even in the Gospels, there are differences? Mark was written by John Mark, a nephew of Peter. He was a young man. If I many believe, I don't know whether you've seen this place where it says, when Jesus was moving with the cross, they told a young man to come and help carry the cross. And he ran away, leaving his cloth with them and ran away naked. That, they believe that that was John Mark. Now, because he was a young man, the book of Mark, he doesn't go start, you know, look and Matthew, they start the genealogy, the birth, no. Mark didn't go to the birth and the beginning the son of God and the son I mean he just starts and Jesus is preaching and they, oh he just started actually moving on to chapter 6 and then he finishes that's Mark so he has something different to offer because of his perspective who he is and all that Matthew Oliver was a tax collector and he was Jewish so he wanted to demonstrate that Jesus was the king of Israel. So you see a lot of this expression in Matthew. The kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven. And when John came, again, as for John, he was a heavenly minded man. So when he came, no, in the beginning was a word. He's not thinking about baby Jesus in the manger and all this. No, 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 no. You see, so, you see, somebody may witness to a person. You may go and you bring another and go to make the person believe. It's all part of can't you do just a little bit more? Oh, yes. To bring some variation to it. That's how sometimes there are transfers. There are transfers. Because somebody is at a place. To him, all the people in the place have been witnessed to. He has met all of them. He, when, when, when he goes to a place, uh, see. so again, you see, doing a little bit more, say, okay, this area, they know me. Let me move to another area. Yeah. So it says here that John could have said to himself, there is no need to write about the life of Jesus. However, he decided to take up the task and do a little bit more in terms of writing about the ministry of Jesus Christ. Because of John's writings, we know the story of the resurrection of Lazarus from the dead after four days. It's not found anywhere else. We also know the story of the healing of the man by by the pool of Bethesda. Through John's a little bit more, we know famous words like, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Hey, John was a spiritual man. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. You don't understand all the life, light, and all this. You don't understand. (laughs) Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. 
God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Then I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the light of the world. I and my father are one. Beautiful. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. That's another word that features much in John. Life. The Greek word zoe, which means the God kind of life. Or life as God has it. Life as God knows it. Greater love has no man than this and a man lay down his life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Yes, ago somebody told me that some of these major religious leaders or leaders of religions, one of them said, I am the way. One of them said, I am the truth. And one of them said, I am the life. But Jesus came and said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. (laughs) It's too nice. (laughs) Listen, it says, it says, now suppose for one minute that John had not written his account of Jesus, Jesus Christ's life and ministry. Supposing that he had assumed, like many of us are doing today, that there is no need to do a little bit more. John did a little bit more and look at the big difference it has made in the world. Can you imagine what it would be like if we did not know about Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead after four days? I mean, that account is so powerful. When Jesus said to Martha, do you not know that if you believe, you see the glory of God? Can you imagine if you did not know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life? That's because John was too lazy to write it. Can you imagine if John assumed that Matthew or Mark would mention all these things in their writing and therefore rested on his horse? Let's consider Luke, who had many things to do since he was a doctor. Luke actually wrote to a guy called Theophilus. After writing the account of Luke, then he added another one. So you see, Luke, even Luke did not suffer from not doing just a little bit. After he wrote Luke, he could have said, oh, that's enough. But he went on and wrote Acts. He said, Theophilus, the first account I wrote to you, I'm writing another one. And look at the Acts of the Apostles. Hey, what we do without the Acts of the Apostles? I remember reading about John Alexander Dowie. John Alexander Dowie was the father of all the healing revival people. He was, his time was about 50 years before them. Now he was from Scotland originally, but he moved to Sydney in Australia. And there was a plague that was killing these people, members and other people alike. So he was in his study, meditating when Acts chapter 10 verse 38 how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. Who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed. For God was with him. He says, immediately a light fell upon their spirits. And I, John, I recognized that disease was the foul offspring of its father Satan and its mother sin. Hey! 
So when you see a disease, according to him, it has come from father Satan and mother sin. Because in those days, they believed that sometimes God could just give you a disease. Or hey. When he had that revelation, before he realized, somebody was knocking at his door. The person opened the door and said, Mary is dying. Mary was one of his church members. Aish. He got up. Moved to the place. Young lady. She was just about dying. So they even called, I think a doctor or a priest who was just there waiting for the young girl to die. So he told John as he came in that, well, isn't this God's ways mysterious that he's taking this young girl? John said, he's not taking the young girl anywhere. And rebuked the sickness. And Mary got up and asked for food to eat. If Luke hadn't written the book of Acts, let me let me read this one. It says, "Supposing he had decided not to write his account, since Matthew, Mark, and John had written gospels already, some said they were copying from each other. Why write another copy?" He could have asked. But if Luke had not done just a little bit more and written his account, we would not have known many things we would not have heard the story of the good Samaritan. Wow. If Luke had not written his account of Jesus' life and ministry, we would never have heard of the story of the prodigal son if Luke had not written his account of Jesus' life and ministry. Wow. Can you imagine the Gospels without these stories? We would never have heard the story of the rich man and Lazarus. If Luke had not written his account of Jesus' life and ministry, what a tragedy and what a deep hole the absence of these amazing stories would have left on Christianity today. Perhaps there are some deep holes that affect the church today because somebody did not write what they should have written. And it's true because Rick Joyner, who is the author of The Final Quests, He's also written a book on the prophetic ministry, the apostolic, I mean, many books. But one day, he says, God told him to write a book. But he was dilly-dallying with it. And the Lord said something like, you are the third person I've asked to write this book. If you don't write it, I'll just take it and somebody else. Because you see, the Bible says, the gifts and calling of God are without In other words, if God has made up his mind to do something... He may just change the person who if the person doesn't want to buy it. He will get it done. He will get it done. We do not sat up at once and wrote the book. He says, I believe God is sending a warning to all of us who are living today. Be careful of resting when you should be working. Hey. Be careful of praising yourself when your work is not finished. It is Jesus who on the cross said, Tetelestai, it is finished. I wonder whether many of us can say that. Tetelestai, it is finished. <laughs> it's not started. <laughs> yeah. Paul said, I run the race. I've kept the faith. Hmm. Today, this question, can't you do just a little bit more? It's even more relevant. A little bit more will make a big difference in the work of God. Hallelujah. 
Now listen to me. I mean, I'm just sharing this and then we close. He says, In my travels, I have noticed a sad trend amongst ministers. Many are happy with what they have. Many ministers do not see the need to do a little bit more for the Lord. I was blessed to be at Bishop Etefo's church group conference. And one of the pastors who went to encourage other people to come for the conference told us an amazing story. He says, as they went around, they went to this church. I think it was a Friday. And it was a weekday service. And in the weekday service was a pastor with one member. So when they, so he, the church growth board member who was going to recruit, thought, ah, this is a good opportunity. This person will really understand the need for church growth. So when they finished, then he told the pastor that, Pastor, I've come with good news for you. I'm coming on behalf of Bishop Intel for the church good conference. This is a conference where churches which are small are encouraged to grow. The pastor looked at him. <laughs> hey, Charlie. It's good to go out of a church and visit other places. Who? He looked at him and said, it's God who has done it. It's God who has done it. In this world, God has given some people 1,000 people. <laughs> God has given some people 500 people. God has given some people 200 people. He has given some people to one. <laughs> so if God has given me one, my duty is to maintain that one and look after it. Could you believe it? The part that beats God has done it. <laughs> God don't do them. For that delivers on such a mentality. Instead of Pushing instead of thinking, instead of forging ahead. Oh, and the truth of the matter is that he has that one member. I don't know. Maybe this is a weekday service. Maybe during the week, there's enough, just enough to maybe pay him. He can pay his rent. Student go to school. So to him, it's okay. There's no desire in this. That's why. We, that's why it's called barrenness. Because this comes to no desire. He said, you knock in the palace. But we are being changed tonight. To accept the fact that we can do just a little bit more. And just a little bit more. That will make a big difference. Hallelujah. So listen, it says, Once a man of God has money, a house, a car, and a congregation is content to remain as he is. Many years ago, while in Korea, I heard Young Cho saying that the master key to church good is to have a vision for a huge church. 
Amazingly, most ministers do not really want a huge church. Most ministers are not fighting for church growth. Neither are they fighting for more and more souls to be one. But I pray in the name of Jesus, God will deliver us from such, you see. I think that if you were ever to see a man who did not have a desire, even a stronger, see, because God has put in men testosterone. Which is for the procreation of the species. Every male animal has testosterone. I mean, bulls and buffaloes have so much testosterone they can fight sometimes to the death. Because the testosterone is moving them. So one will go and stand there, one will stand, then they'll run and they hit head against head. Hey! (laughs) Something's moving them. So a man, a normal man should have movement. So, that, so, so he even needs the fruit of the spirit of self-control if he's not married. So that the movement that he wants to move. <laughs> yes. So a normal man should have. But if you say a man, and they say he's a man, but there is no desire. Nothing. Mm. There's something wrong. He has been castrated. The source of the testosterone has been removed. (laughs) God forbid. (laughs) Listen to this. This generation of ministers has overseen the decline of the church. Yeah? Other religions are spreading faster than they used to. Oh, yes. You know, there are some parts of the world where the fertility rate has dropped. I'm talking about human beings are not giving birth to as many human beings as they could. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So, in such countries, some of the European countries, I think Italy, for instance, in such countries, in the future, there may be more people who are immigrants, as in originally they were immigrants, than the people who are originally from there. Because part of the survival strategies of the immigrants is that they can come to an area, maybe seven families from somewhere in Asia. And then come and buy or mortgage a house. All seven families live in that house. Then they put their resources together and then buy a next one. So with time, they will have seven houses. And part of their strength is to give birth. So the white people in that area are not giving birth, they are giving birth more. They will overcome the country in the future just through birth. Mm. Listen to this. Our generation of ministers has a Laodicean spirit of complacency. 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 A complacent person has no feeling that there's anything wrong 
or that we need to improve things or that there's even any danger. No. It's just, it's okay. Hmm. That spirit speaks today and says, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. I wish you could give us complacency or complacent on the board to help us. We are about coming to the end. I'm just sharing with you. Can't you do just a little bit more? God's response to those who say to themselves, we are okay, is very simple. He says, you don't know that you are wretched. Revelation 3, 17 to 18. And miserable and poor and blind and naked. No one here under the sound of my voice should say that I am enough. No. No. Never. We have enough members. No. It's because we are comparing with the wrong figures. One day as I looked at the size of my fellowship or church and compared it to the area in which I was, which had a population of 86,000 people, I realized that, look, this is your 350 people that you have. It's nothing. That's why you shouldn't have small rooms, small meeting places. And you fill the place and say, wow, we are a lot. It's a delusion. Are you with me or you have gone home? Listen, they say, continue to say, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. Put your hand on your eyes and say, Lord, help me to see. Oh, no, serious, it's a prayer. Lord, help me to see. Because many of us are blind spiritually. You see, there's always a little bit more than you can do. There's no need to settle down and say, I'm rich and I do not need anything. You do need something. You are not really rich and you are not really as stable and as safe as you think. Until you are in your grave, knocking on the wooden boards of your coffin, there will always be a little bit more that you can do for God. So let us end with a practical application of this message. Number one, can't you win a few more souls, even though you have won many souls for the Lord already? So the practical application of this is that, number one, a few more souls. That is if you want some. One day a man was dying. A man of God. Weak in bed. And he got up out of the bed and said, one more soul. One more soul. One more soul. And he lay down and died. He wishes he could win one more soul for the Lord. Number two. I know you have already built a church. Can't you plant another church? 
So you may be, you may be, you may be a branch pastor here. Can't you plant another church? Somewhere. I know you have held crusades and campaigns for Jesus. But can't you do a little bit more? I believe now that we are in September, we shall enter into our season two of crusades. And it's exciting to go out there and win one more soul. Have one more crusade. Perhaps you can have one or two more crusades. Instead of resting now, why don't you rest in peace later? I know you have written books. Can't you write one more book? I know you have held conferences. Can't you do a little bit more? So today, Bishop Metaphor launched a new book on church growth. He has written on the cell system already. A new book has come out. And we want to support him because it's a good work. I know you have built a church. Maybe you give $10,000 to build a church. Can't you build another one? When you are in your grave, you wish you could come out and build another church. Hey, that's why they sing that song. Tina is a specialist in those songs. I know I'll never something, something, something. Please let me go back. I don't want to say. Can I go back and. It's not after you died that you want to come back and do some more. Do some more now. <laughs> don't laugh at him I know you are prospects and have helped the work of God maybe by giving can't you do a little bit more can't you give a little bit more supporting healing Jesus which is now in Kenya. Ben M. Partner, can't you give a little bit more? I'm also a Ben M. Partner, so I'm preaching to myself. J.G. Morrison was pleading with the congregants to give a little bit more to support missionaries. So that's what the practical application of what you can do to do a little bit more. Perhaps you have built some church buildings. Perhaps you have helped to accomplish this. You see, some years ago, I met, well, I was working in a hostel somewhere in Accra. And a pastor who was, you see, at that time, I think I was in sixth form. I finished A level. When I began to attend church, where this pastor was a Bible student. And they were really exciting times. I mean, they were really These are the Bible students who were so wild that if one's watch 
stopped during the all night to take the watch off and start speaking to the watch that I pay my tithes. I believe in Jesus. You have to start working. Hey. Amen. I mean, they were full of the Holy. It was exciting to be around them, you see. So, I, when I met him, I think it was like a chaplain in the hospital where I was working. But you see, by that time, my love had grown cold. And I was not into all these things. But when I met him, I'll recall those days. Oh, you know, when we went, because that, that, that was the day when we actually went for an all night. And when we closed on the all night, they said we should go and preach in the area. And there was a guy with me who was preaching. And he said, you people, you don't know. Satan is deceiving you. You see that one day Satan will repent and go to heaven. You will go to hell. I said, yes. <laughs> oh. You see, but you see, as I was standing by him and he was saying, I later I told myself that you see, the people who know the correct word don't go and preach. So he, with his broken theology and upside down gospel. like the guy who was preaching and he said Paul and his wife Silas were in jail and their son Timothy was running up and down the streets of Jerusalem crying (laughs) that's a preacher and he the preacher started crying because of Paul and his wife Silas in prison and their son Timothy running up and, and two people came and gave their lives to Christ because of that <laughs> you know but you will not do a little bit more by preaching so they started the preaching you see so when people criticize pastors say, you, you, you know what is the right thing to do you know what the right thing to preach you know how to do a church you know how to pass a church go and do it you won't do it somebody is doing it God likes him So the brother said to them, You will be there. Last minute. Sit down, run and repent and go to heaven. Eh? You. <laughs> uh, and when I used to share those things, then one day the pastor said, But I want to thank God for what he's doing in the now. It was a rebuke to me. Because I was living on past glories. Never let it be that your stories and your adventures are all old ones. Let there be new ones. Let there be what is happening now. Because you are reaching out. Because you are doing something. Just a little bit more. Hallelujah. Dear friend, don't deceive yourself. You can do a little bit more. If you visit a pastor who is failing and decreasing in ministry, you will discover that he can do a little bit more than what he is doing. Most people are not doing as much as they could. An area where you could do a little bit more is even in the area of prayer. To tell yourself that on Monday night and on Thursday night, I'll go to bed a little earlier 
instead of watching all these series that you've been watching to go into the night and sleep at 2 a.m. How can you wake up at 4 to join Flow Prayer Meet when you slept at 2? How? How? You say, I'll wake up. Well, you, yes, yes, you wake up, but you'll be waking up several times in the prayer meet. <laughs> Uh, a little bit more prayer and a little more effort will make a big difference why don't you give a little bit more time to the study of the word and to achieving of your spiritual goals at least tell yourself that one of the days I'll sit in my house and read the bible, study the bible Jesus spoke about going the extra mile Unfortunately today, people are not even going their first mile, much less the extra mile. If you would add a few more yards, you may achieve the goal of going at least one mile for Jesus. So this is the book, Can't You Do Just a Little Bit More? And this is Joash, King of Israel. Can't you do just a little bit more? Turn to your brother and sister by you and ask them their name. No, ask his name. Well, you may not know his name. Please find somebody to ask. I don't want to be sitting there without asking anybody. Have you asked their name? Now mention their name. And add, can't you do just a little bit more? Turn to the other person. But you are sitting there alone. (laughs) Turn to the other person. Ask their name also. Have you asked his name? Now mention their name. And add, can't you do just a little bit more? Hallelujah. Let's stand to our feet. Oh yes. Next month, I believe here in the cathedral we have a solar Sunday. Yeah. It's an opportunity to stretch yourself to do just a little bit more. Let your answer begin to pray that Father give me the grace to go the extra mile to win one more soul to build one more basenta to train one more basenta leader to have one more center to have one more branch just a little bit more thank you Jesus Help us, Lord. Give us the strength of the Spirit. 
to soar, to reach out for more. In the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Oh, yes, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for strengthening us, empowering us, leading us on to do just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. Thank you, Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. May Juma Meradi Medimehuna Ninara Mehyenyame Nejuma Namenya Nisem Shira Sehofremi Riviara Medidije Medinoso Osande Onono. Galatians 6 9, Paul actually says that. And let us not be weary in well doing, for in due season we shall reap. If you feel, give us another version of like New Living Translation or something. Because I just sense that fresh oil has to come upon somebody 
so let us so let's not get tired of doing what is good it's it's it's, it's a good thing it's a good thing so you can't get tired of it paul is saying no at just the right time you will reap a harvest if we don't give up and I like the fact that the verse before it verse 8 says those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature but those who live to please the spirit give us a King James it says he that soweth to the spirit wants us to sow to the spirit tonight if you have oil, bring it. But if you are there and you feel that I need a certain renewal, new energy, oomph, something to move me, come and stand it. I'll agree with you. I also need new energy and pray for you in the name of Jesus. Oh, shit, it's my 
receiving strength. So my strength shall be like the, that of a unicorn. A unicorn is a very strong horse. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. Sing it, sister. Shower down your oh, rain yes. Fresh
fresh oil to do just a little bit more. Now you may be, have joined us on Facebook. I want us to pray this prayer for anyone who has not received Jesus as Lord and Savior. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. I know I'm a sinner. I cannot save myself. Please forgive me. Wash away my sins. Write my name in the book of life. Make me a new creature. Thank you, Father. I'm born again. In Jesus' name. Amen. We believe you have been blessed by this powerful teaching from the Macarius Church Headquarters, East Legon Hills, Accra. Stay blessed. I am waiting.